Well, greetings to each one this morning. What a blessing to be in the house of the Lord again. And welcome to all the visitors. Thank you for coming our way this morning. I pray that the Lord has a blessing for you and for all of us. We're here to seek his face, aren't we? It's good to be back after being been gone for a long time, especially not being able to be here last Sunday. Seems really long. So it's good to see all you home folks. It was a blessing being in Tennessee, working with Brother Dale Heisey. That was a big blessing. Well, thank you for your prayers. I trust that the word that was preached and the Lord gave us will not return void. It was such a blessing to work with Brother Dale and the church there in Tennessee and just to have that time, very much needed time for me, have that time alone for that week for the most part. I uh, spent most of my time there in a the little trailer they have there on their church property. It's just a real blessing. So we're back in Trying to get into the swing of things here, I guess you'd say. A heavy workload was waiting for me when I came home, and, but we'll, we'll trust the Lord to get us through all that too. Amen. Such a blessing. These songs, these prayer songs we sang this morning already, and just that last song, it's a bit new for us, at least for me, I think. Such a beautiful message. And it's such a challenge to our hearts, especially in light of what Earl shared concerning the, the world and the pool of the world and perhaps what is coming. I'm sure all of us are not asleep to the signs of the times, <clears throat> at least I hope we're not this morning, but are looking and trying to connect the dots and saying, Are we ready? So I, I just really appreciated the message in that song, and also, of course, it goes along well with what's on my heart this morning. <clears throat> so I'd like us to kneel together for prayer at this time and seek the face of God. <clears throat> O oh God, we bow before you, Lord. We bow before our God. We reach out, Lord, and we believe the scepter is that you hold out the scepter to us. When we come to you, God, in Jesus' name this morning, we reach out and touch that scepter now by faith. We need you, Father. We need the life that flows from you, dear God, this morning. We need you so much, Lord. Thank you for the provisions that you made and thank you for the salvation that you gave, O oh God, in Jesus Christ. Thank you, God, that you've given us, along with salvation, all that we need, Lord, to see us through. We know that, God, and, and yet you gave us a work to do, and, 
And that is to appropriate and to apply and to receive and to believe all these promises, Lord, that carry us through. We're not without trials and we're not without troubles and we're not without resistance from the wicked one, Lord, and and from the flesh, Lord. And we know the battle and the struggle, O God, this morning. And God, we thank you that you have given us all that we need to live godly in Christ Jesus. Thank you for those promises, Father. Lord, bless us yet once more this morning. Pray for all these precious souls gathered here, Lord. Some have driven many miles to get here, God. And Lord, I pray, I pray you would meet the needs in their hearts, Lord, and in all of ours for that matter, God. Speak to us this morning, Lord. Oh, God, take away from us the heart that kicks against the pricks, Lord. Take away the heart that that resists the Holy Spirit. Oh God, I pray. And give us a heart, a soft heart, a heart of flesh. A heart of belonging after the living God. A heart that seeks the face of God. Oh Father, you know what we need. So tailor the message this morning, Lord, to meet that need. Give us strength and courage, Lord. Oh God, we pray. Thank you, God, for these beautiful songs that we prayed together. We wait on you, Lord, and we look to you for the blessing. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, I so appreciated the thoughts that Earl brought this morning, <clears throat> and I, f- I feel it was such a such a foundation for the message that I that that I believe the Lord laid upon my heart this morning. Earl talked, uh, uh, challenged us a bit with what what is to come, what is happening even in the world today. And gave that beautiful verse there of who will overcome that world, left that question to us to ponder. Can I put my name there, as Brother Darrell shared with us? And toward the end of Earl's meditation, he mentioned there that uh, about the life, we need the life that is in Christ Jesus and I would like to build on that. I would like to, to go a little from there what, uh, what Earl shared. And I, and, I, and I agree and I believe what he said is absolutely true. But I would just like this, to insert this this morning that lest, there's, lest we, we, we just have this mental ascent. And I know Earl believes this too, but lest we have this mental ascent that well, I believe in Jesus, 
and that will get me through. All the while knowing that there's something wrong and lacking in my life. And I would like to talk about this morning, I would like to bring in there a power that you and I need to, along with that belief, along with that faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, the, a power that propels and motivates us to do the right things, to be the right kind of people that we need to be, to live the godly Christian life that God wants us to, to live. I would like to, to share with us that power this morning that all of us need. And Earl touched on it when he said that life that flows from Jesus Christ, every one of us need that, that not only a mental ascent that Jesus is, he was the son of God. That's good, but the Bible says even the demons believe that. So we need something more tangible down on earth that is real to me and you to see us through what is to come, I believe. So I'm by no means taking away anything that Earl said. I believe that is very good and very true, and I believe it laid a good foundation for what I have to say this morning. And my text is found in 1 John chapter 3. And if you want to open your Bibles there, you may. 1 John chapter 3. We're going to look at a power that you and I need. A power. Amen? A power. We need more than just, you know, externals. We need a power within. Jesus talked about that those that... That, uh, that, that claim to have uh, a something, but they, they deny the power thereof. We need a power that changes our life. We need a power that is, that is evident and is real in our lives. And we want to talk about that power this morning. And I'll just read the first three verses here in 1 John chapter 3. will be our text. We'll go a few other places as well, but... This is our text to start with here in 1 John chapter 3. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he, Jesus, is pure. Excuse me. The title of the message this morning is The Power of Anticipation. Now, the word anticipation is not found in the Bible, but the concept certainly is there. And we have a word word that has practically the same definition as the word anticipation. Anticipation. 
And we have it here in our text. But anticipation is powerful. You and I need a healthy anticipation of what is coming. And I believe the healthy dose of that anticipation is the power that we need to see us through the difficult times of life. Before I give the Bible word, which you may have already figured out in our text here what it is, but before I give the Bible word, I'd like to give two illustrations to illustrate what I'm saying when I say the power of anticipation. I would like for you to consider with me the young couple who is about to get married. And I'm sure you've noticed, but it is totally amazing the stamina, the zeal, the, 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 the dedication that they have to this wedding day. As it, as, it, as, it, as it leads up to the wedding day, you can see what anticipation does for them. I mean, they sleep about this day. They live through the day for this day. They, it's on their mind all the time. They're motivated to make things happen. Because of their anticipation of their wedding day, that's a powerful thing. They will miss meals. They will miss sleep. They will, they will exclude other friendships that were once important to them for this. Yes, they will. Other things take secondary importance because of this wedding day, this anticipated day. It's powerful. I'll use one more illustration to show the power of anticipation, and it's what's happening in the United States of America in about two days from now. That is the election day, the day of election, the day when America would choose either the president that they had for the last four years or a new one. And you stop and think with me, what is happening in the world for just a few moments, and it will become clear to you that anticipation has power. People in America are spending, spending literally millions of dollars in anticipation of this day right now. Millions of dollars are just spent to make sure that on Tuesday the right thing will happen for them. People are traveling literally thousands of miles in anticipation for Tuesday. People are compelled to get involved. They are compelled. Vote. Get out there and vote. Just do it. Why? Because of the, of the anticipated consequences if they don't. If we don't get enough of people on our party, on our side, the other side's going to win, and that's not a good deal. If you're in it, if you're into this, right? 
We've got to get as many to vote as we can. It doesn't matter how much it costs. It doesn't matter how much time we spend. It doesn't matter how much energy we put in this thing. Just get out and vote for the right man. And the people who are saying that, you don't have to second guess who their man is. They know. I think it even affects people who are naturally a bit quiet and they are, they are looking at this thing and they get even verbal about it. They are willing to say, as they consider it, my vote will make a difference in anticipation for what's happening on Tuesday. And so, anticipation works motivation to dedication. There it is. Anticipation of what is happening will motivate people to be dedicated and make it happen. Whether it's a wedding, whether it's an election day, or anything else that people are anticipating. So, the challenge for us Christians is, this morning, the waiting period. And, to, and because it gets long, waiting for our anticipated day, the Lord's day, people get weary and they lose out and they lose their, their, their zeal because they, it, it goes so long. You know, imagine that for that young couple, the wedding day never coming. For us Christians, it's, it's a little bit like that. You know, we, we've been espoused, we've been betrothed to Christ, we have the first fruits of the Spirit, we, you know, we have that connection. We can, we can have Christ, but there's so much more that we are anticipating, isn't it? A whole lot more. I mean, the half has not been told. It has not been revealed to the heart, to the eyes of man, what God has laid up for us in heaven. And on and on that list could go. And literally, dearly beloved, this morning, literally, Christians are giving up. And they're losing out. Why? The question is why? <clears throat> I think the parable of the foolish and the, and the ten virgins, and, and in this case here, the, the, the five foolish virgins, I think that applies here. The time got long. They had miscalculated. They hadn't anticipated well enough, and they didn't take that extra oil to see them through to the end, and they got careless, and they, and, and they slumbered and slept as they all did. But lo and behold, when the bridegroom came, when the announcement came, the wise had whatever it took. They had that extra. They had what it took to get them through. The foolish did not. What a dilemma. What a tragedy to wake up 
to the reality that the bridegroom is coming and I don't have what, it, what I need to, to see me through. That is the challenge this morning. We wait and we wait and we wait. <clears throat> and here's probably the heart of the, of the message and the, and the heart of the burden. And I don't know your deep down experience in the tip of your heart, but I know for many Christians, we, and I'll include myself in this, for many Christians, in light of, 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 of what God did, in light of God coming down while we were yet dead in sin and in trespasses, in light of the great love that God had for the world, that he gave his only begotten son, in light of all the precious promises that were fulfilled in Christ Jesus when he came, in light of, the, of, of all the beautiful things that the Bible promises to the Christian, in light of that many Christians' experience still lacks luster. It lacks vitality and it lacks power. How is it with you, my dear friend, this morning? In light of these promises, does your personal experience lack luster? I mean, you know, that glory and that distinction. That's what we should have as Christians. A luster, the definition of luster is like a reflection of a bright light. And as Jesus Christ shines into your and my life, we should have a beautiful reflection of Jesus as Christians. How is the luster in your life as a reflector of Jesus Christ? What about vitality? Do do you, do I have, and Earl challenged us this morning, do you and do I have what it takes to get us through to the end when the time gets long? Being strong and active, that's vitality. We look at the promise and say, Lord, I need more. What about power? Victory over the evil influences, not only from without, but from within. How is it, my friend, this morning? Let us all ask that question, deep down question. Do I have the luster? Do I have the vitality? Do I have the power that I should have as a born-again Christian? And if I don't, I don't think we should despair and be all down on ourselves and all condemning of ourselves and all of that. I think the key simply is to acknowledge, you know what? I fall short in this area. I need more. And go after it. And seek the face of God. And spend extra time in prayer. And push away those things that crowd in us. And those clouds that come in between. And, and, and uh, hinder our reflection of Christ. Dearly beloved, what are those things that come in between me and Christ? And my light is getting dim. And when we see that, we don't excuse it. I see the difference like this. We don't excuse it and say, well, no one's perfect. 
you know, all, everyone has at least a little sin. That is a very serious attitude if we have that. I'm not, I'm not, I don't think God expects any of us to, 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 to be perfect. But I do believe God does not want us to have that attitude. When we compare ourselves among ourselves and say, well, I, you know, at least I, at least I didn't, you know, do that. We look around at someone who really fell. Or at least, you know, we kind of do that kind of thing. Oh, dearly beloved, we, for the times that we are in right now, we, we need to press in and seek the face of God and allow that luster and vitality, allow God to bring that luster and vitality and power into our lives once again. I believe that. I'd like to read something from Oswald Chambers here. Earl touched on this already, so I'm wondering if God is wanting to say something to us. Take no thought for your life. The title of this meditation is Look Again and Think. Look again and think. Take no thought for your life. A warning which needs to be reiterated is that the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things entering in will choke all that God puts in us. Think about that. So we have salvation. We are born again. That is what God puts in us. Right? That is what we receive from the Lord, that new life, that life from above. But he's saying, if we allow the deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things, those things will choke out that life that God put in us. Now listen to this. We are never free from the recurring tides of this encroachment. If it does not come on the line of clothes and food, it will come on the line of money or, or lack of money, of friends or lack of friends, or on the line of difficult circumstances. It is one steady encroachment all the time, and unless we allow the Spirit of God to raise up the standard against it, these things will come in like a flood. Take no thought for your life. Be careful about one thing only, says our Lord, your relationship with me. Common sense shouts loud and says, that is absurd. I must consider how I am going to live. I must consider what I'm going to eat and drink. Jesus says you must not. Beware of allowing the thought that this statement is made by one who does not understand our particular circumstances Jesus Christ knows our circumstances better than we do. And he says we must not think about these things so as to make them the one concern of our life. Whenever there is competition, be sure that you put your relationship to God first. Oh, dearly beloved, <clears throat> of utmost importance. I hope... I hope you're with me. I hope I'm making things clear. 
So if this describes anyone's experience here today, please pay attention because I believe that there is an answer for this need. I don't believe that we should, as Christians, go around long-faced, powerless, and defeated. Amen? I don't believe that. How is it, my friend? What are you anticipating? What gets you going? What gets you excited? Well, we have the word hope here in our text. And it's basically the same definition. Let me give you the definition for anticipation. To anticipate means to have an expectation or a prediction. We feel something is going to happen. There's something out there. We're thinking about it. We are expecting it. That what it that's what it means to anticipate. Hope means a feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. It's about the same thing. Now let's look at our text here in 1 John 3. He is talking about God's love for us. He's talking about us being called the sons of God. He's talking about that there's more coming than what we realize now. And then in verse 3, he says, Every man that hath this expectation or this hope or this anticipation purifieth himself even as he is pure. So I'd like to have us think about this wedding that is coming that all the earthly weddings combined together will pale in the light of this glorious wedding. My wedding was good, and I hope you can say that about yours. I think it was the best wedding on on earth, my wedding was. I remember back with fond memories. I hope you feel the same way. So let's put all those together and stack them up and add them up to one glorious experience. There is a wedding coming, dearly beloved. When Jesus splits the clouds or comes with the clouds, And the wedding, the great wedding is ushered in that all our weddings will pale in light of that wedding. Talking about anticipation, adding all the anticipation of all the married folks here together. It was a pretty, it would be a pretty big number. We'll take all all the Christian weddings in the world and add it together. All that will pale in light of this Heavenly wedding that is coming. My goal this morning is, dearly beloved, just to be very plain and clear that I would like to give you, to show you that we need to stir ourselves up. We need to think about these things. We need to have a lively anticipation of what is coming in order for us to go through what we're facing right now. I don't think we'll make it without that. I don't think we will. If we are so low-sighted, we're, we're scratching around down here with the chickens, and we forget that we are to be soaring with the eagles up high. Hallelujah. Oh, glory. So my hope this morning is to give you a tool 
to give you something to, to open your understanding as a Christian. If your, if, if your and my experience lacks luster and vitality and power, and if you're saying, yes, my experience lacks a bit of that, then I plead with you that you pray that God would open your heart and say, Lord, help me to receive this from you this morning. Turn with me to Revelation 19, if you will. Just back a little bit there. We're back there in the end of the book about anyway. Revelation 19. And we're going to look at this little wedding or this wedding a little bit here. Re- Revelation 19, verse 6. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude and the voice, and as the voice of many waters and as the voice of, of mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth let us, re- let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready, and to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. And he said unto me, Write, Blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb, and he And he saith unto me, these are the true sayings of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the Lamb is come. We must never, never, never Lose the anticipation of this event. Dearly beloved, listen. Where is the Christian stamina? Where is the Christian zeal? Where is the Christian dedication that the young couple had before their wedding? Where is the Christian stamina? Where is the Christian dedication and zeal for this wedding? I will not lose sight of it. I'll keep it in the forefront of my mind. I'll think about it. I'll pray about it. I want to be there. And I know that only those that are going to be there are those that have white robes on. I can't defile myself. I have to keep myself pure. As our text says there, by the way, every man that has this hope in him to be at that wedding purifies himself. Oh, I'm not saying I have to. I'm not saying you got to do this. I'm saying, look at the Lord. Look at the lover of your soul long enough. Look at what he did for you. And let a warm and and, and eventually a hot love burn up, stir up in your heart. And you will not have a problem thinking about that wedding day. Just the same for those of us For those of us who are married, just the same we thought towards our own wedding day. Glory. I can't wait. It's two weeks off. It's five days off. Tomorrow I'm getting married. Ain't no one had to tell me what I was thinking about the day before my message. Before my wedding. Hallelujah. What you been thinking about, dearly beloved? What occupies the majority of our our thoughts? Dearly beloved, this is a power. 
This is a power that we need. This is a power. And I don't think we, I don't think it lacks with God. And we can't blame God. He has given it to us. We have to appropriate it. We have to think about it. We have to apply it. Well, did you know there's also another election day coming? In this day, we're not deciding who's going to be the leader. That's already decided on this election day. But it's the day that we should anticipate. It's the day that we should look forward to. And... Perhaps is even at the door, like Jesus said. So turn with me to Matthew 24. As you know, in Matthew 24, the doom of Jerusalem was foretold. It has kind of a dual meaning, Matthew 24 does. It's when, when the Romans came in and and uh, it's foretelling when the Romans came in then eventually and, and, and completely destroyed Jerusalem. But it also is talking about the signs of Christ's coming and of the end of the world, which we are expecting now. And we're going to break into this chapter in verse 30 of Matthew 24. We're talking about another election day. This election day on this, on this world, Tuesday, people are animated about it. Amen? They are fired up about it. They want to be on the right side. And they want the right side to be on their side. And there shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, verse 30. And there, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn. They shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet. And they shall gather together his elect from the four winds, uh, from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. What an election day. What an election day. Am I one of them? I can be. And it's not the idea that So-and-so is elected to be forever lost, and -and so-and-so is elected to be saved. Dearly beloved, it is the idea that I I have appropriated what God has so freely given, and I have applied them to my life, and I have been ready and waiting, and when God comes, He elects me. He chooses me. I'm not saying works religion. I'm not saying works salvation at all. I'm just saying I have, I have 
and the real Christian has taken the promises of God and, 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 and believed them to the point to where they make a difference. Dearly beloved, if, if your Christian life is dry and dead and empty and, and there's no joy there, do something about it. Amen? Do something about it. As I was thinking about this point, I remember something that happened years ago. There was a man that even though he was religious, he was brought up in a church, he was very religious. There was just no vitality there. There was no life there. There was no reality there. And he knew it. And finally, those that were working with him said this to him. I, I, we don't know if there's hope for you. Get alone somewhere in a cabin and you figure that out. And that man got alone in a cabin, I think for about a week, and he came back changed. And that man is still walking with the Lord today. That's what I'm saying. Will I be of the elect because I have taken my Christian life Serious enough that I should be a good reflection, that I should be a bright light in a dark world, that I should have the power to overcome this world in my heart and in my life and in and the world from without and from within. Brothers and sisters, it's serious. This election day coming on Tuesday, about probably half the United States of America is going to be happy. And the other half are going to be very distraught because they lost. But think with me on this election day. When Jesus separates the sheep from the goats. Over here, over here. I never knew you. I knew you. I knew you. You you had a vital connection with me. Dearly beloved. The power of anticipation. This is an awesome day coming. It will be a day of division. It will be a day of election. We will be either on with God or forever from God. And today is the time to figure that out. And today is the time to take serious inventory where I am at. I mean, shouldn't we just think of the people what the people are doing for this election day. Spending the millions of dollars, literally. Shouldn't we, the resources that God has given to us, shouldn't we spend them, spend them, use them in preparation for this coming day? Shouldn't we, shouldn't we spend them Paul talked, used, he made that phrase, spend and be spent. Spend, the, the, you know, use it up. Buy it up. Use it up. Shouldn't we, in the anticipation of this election day, shouldn't we travel distances proclaiming and promoting this event? I think we should. Shouldn't we compel people to get involved? Get involved. Glory. Get to the polls. Spiritually. 
Get your name on the roll. I mean, Tuesday it's going to be over. Get out there and, and vote. Well, Jesus said here in our text in Matthew 24, uh, don't know that I read that. That's down in verse 42. Uh, about being at the door. Well, let me read in 42. Watch therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. But know this, that if the good men of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken, broken up. Therefore be ye also ready, for in, in such an hour as ye think not the Son of Man cometh. Who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household to give them meat in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Uh, that verse is not in here that I was thinking of, but that's, that's fine. It's in verse 33. So likewise ye, when ye shall see all these things, know that it is near even at the doors. Going back to our text again, and we'll finish off with that in 1 John chapter 3. Consider with me, now we're talking about things to anticipate and things to get us excited and things to put meaning and fulfillment into the Christian life. Think with me as, as John encourages us here. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us. We know that God commended his love toward us while we were yet sinners. Think about that. Ephesians 2 verse 4 and 5 says, But God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are ye saved. I believe, dearly beloved, I know from experience, if we don't treasure that quickening, if we don't treasure that initial opening of our eyes, if we don't treasure that life that we come, that we get from Jesus, if we don't treasure that and nurture it and, and water it and cultivate it, the things of this world can stamp that out. That is a staggering thought. That is sobering. It really can. Christians who once had the life of Jesus can lose out. But oh, on the flip side, if we water it, if we cultivate it, it gets better, it grows, and we can build a beautiful, meaningful, joyful Christian experience on that. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory. Amen. Okay, going on here. It says here, we shall be called the sons of God. I know because we see through a glass darkly. I know because the things of heaven are, are a bit mystical. I know that. But we can also by faith ponder this, believe it, to the point where it does something in our hearts. Amen? 
It does something in our hearts. It says here that, Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. They should look at us a bit funny and say, What in the world happened to you? What makes you tick? You know, what makes you tick? They should look at us and say, you know, I can't figure them out. They should. They should. I remember, I remember being on the streets there in Iowa City preaching and Solomon Hofer getting up and preaching to a crowd of God-haters and devil worshipers there in Iowa City. And he stood up there and he said, friends, I want you to know this is more fun than you think. Hallelujah. God bless dear Solomon Hover. Little, uh, Matthew Henry, I quote here, little does the world know the happiness of the real follower of Christ. My friend, is that a reality to us? The real happiness of Christ. Little does the world know the happiness of the real follower of Christ. Little does the world think that these poor, humble, despised ones are favorites of God. You know God is favorites? That's what he says here. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Us. Let me continue reading. And we will dwell in heaven. Let the followers of Christ be content with hard fare here. Yes, it can be difficult at times. Yes, we wait long for the wedding. Many Christians believed, waited for the wedding, died, didn't see it. Only by faith. But some were faithful. They believed. They did not lose out. They did not lose their anticipation for that wedding, and they died that way. So let us be content with hard fare here, since we are in a land of strangers, where, the, where, where our Lord was so badly treated before us. Think about that, who we are following. Someone was very badly treated. We're following him. Think of those, those believers in, in Hebrews 11 there, Old Testament believers who, who didn't see the fulfillment of the promise, yet they believed. Matthew Henry goes on to say, the sons of God must walk by faith and live by hope. Here's my point. And live by hope. They may well wait in faith, hope, and earnest desire for the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. The power of hope. A living, vibrant, Real hope.
It says, John says here, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. We have that witness, but it doth not yet appear what we shall be. Oh, glory. The wedding. The wedding. We have an idea, but it'll supersede that idea by so far. It does not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. We must live by hope and wait in faith with earnest desire for the revelation of the Lord Jesus. Matthew Henry uh, goes on to say, The sons of God will be known and be made manifest by the likeness to their head. We will be made known. You might recall in Acts eleven twenty six that the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. Antioch. They were little Christ. They shall be transformed into the same image by their view of him. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians 3 for our final thought here. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Oh, glory. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Verse 12. Seeing then that we have such hope, such anticipation, we use great plainness of speech. I tried to do that this morning. Forgive me where I failed. I know I fell short. Jumping down to verse 17. Now the Lord is that spirit. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even by the spirit of the Lord. Dearly beloved, that changing happens now. This is a reality now. So I would like to give us two things this morning in closing here. Two keys. Two two things to any of us who lack luster and vitality and power. And the first one is right here. If you're here this morning, I, I urge you to get alone, and and you're saying, Elvin, I I need more. I, I know I fall short. Please. That's good. But take the next step and spend some quality time with the Lord, and you begin to take a promise 
from the word, black and white, physical promise right in this Bible, and you, you ponder that, and in your closet alone with God, you say, God, this is not a reality in my life. I need more luster. Please, God, do this for me, God. And you do the same thing for vitality, God. I need more strength to see me through. I want to be on, I want to be one of the elect. I'm not sure if I will be. I want to be one of them. And you wait there and you pray over these promises and you behold the Lamb as it says here in 2 Corinthians 3. And you behold His glory with an open face, not hiding anything, not explaining it away, not comparing yourself with other Christians, none of that, but with an open face. Here I am, Lord. Please change me. I want to be there. I want to be those that are anticipating your coming again. You do that. That would be a key. That is a, that is a, that is a, that is a power that you will, will, will take you through. Amen. That is a power that will take you through. That is perhaps, perhaps the most important one. That we do what we do because of love for our Lord. That we receive from Him in our closet. Waiting and beholding and adoring Him. And then the next one, and the last one is, back in our text, we do this because we fear meeting the Lord in an unpure state. It says here, everyone that hath this hope in him purifieth himself. Everything, everything, brethren, sisters, every secret sin, every secret violation that no one else knows about, Deal with it. Deal with it. Because of the anticipation. If we think of the Lord's coming, if we think of the wedding day, if we think of the election day, nothing should be too big to deal with in our lives. Amen? Nothing should be too big. And, you know, we have the blessing of God. We have God for us. God is not up there with a big stick and just waiting to to clobber us. No, he's holding these things out and saying, come to me, touch my scepter. I will receive you. Purify yourself. Get rid of that sin. Get rid of that hidden sin. Get rid of whatever it is. Cleanse it out of your life. Come to me. Come. Be pure. Dearly beloved, I think it's coming. I don't know when, but I think it's at the door. You probably believe that too. But I hope I stirred you up to take it a little more serious that a charge to keep I have, a God to glorify, a never-dying soul to save, dearly beloved. Yes, the preacher has a responsibility. Yes, the parents have a responsibility. But you have a responsibility. I have a responsibility to keep my own soul. A charge to keep I have. A God to glorify. A never-dying soul to save. And fit it for the sky. Oh, hallelujah. May the Lord bless. Let's pray. Lord... 
When the rose call up yonder, I'll be there. When the trumpet of the Lord shall sound, I'll be there. Oh, glory. When the wedding bells ring, I want to be there, dear God. When that great and final and ultimate election day comes, oh, God, what will everything else matter? The things of this life, Lord, let it grow strange to dim in our hearts, Lord, as we think about our money, our possessions, our food, our clothing, all these things that the Bible talks about, God. Yes, they're important, but Lord, I pray we could keep them in their rightful place, Lord. Lord, bless this word. Bless it, dear Lord, for thy glory, for thy name's sake. Amen. Amen.